like to take some time to talk with you about the concept of trust. Simple word, five letters, T-R-U-S-T, something we ought to be doing as Christian believers, but something we struggle with, frankly. It's our nation's motto, in God we trust. But I wonder how much in our lives today we're trusting, particularly during the uncertainty of the COVID-19 health pandemic. You might be saying, in fact, I hear you saying, I've heard this before. When this all began, you talked about trust. In fact, there was a sermon I called Trust Amid Chaos. Well, it bears repeating, and here's why. COVID-19 is an opportunity for us to grow in terms of our spiritual practice, and a key component of that is trust. So right now we're, what, eight weeks or so into this, and uh, there's maybe an end in sight. We're not entirely sure. We're hearing conflicting messages. We don't know what phase we're in, what's going to roll out, when, what will be allowed to resume, at what time. We just don't know. So amid that uncertainty lies an opportunity for us to grow in spiritual depth and wisdom. I don't want you to be having a conversation one day with your future self and looking back with your future self saying to you, do you remember that 12 weeks when the world stopped? And you say, oh yeah, that's why I have so much toilet paper. And you realize that it was a great opportunity that you squandered away watching Tiger King. I don't want that for you, church. We're better than this. And the coronavirus has given us an opportunity to grow in terms of our capacity to trust God and to live in daily communion with him. And isn't that what we're supposed to be doing all the time? In moments of crisis, we have the opportunity, sort of make or break moments in the spiritual life. And I'm convinced that this is one of those times for us. I want this for you, and I want it for me. Our reading today is from Psalm number 31. In you, O Lord, I seek refuge, says the psalmist. Incline your ear, verse 2. You are my rock, verse 3. Verse 5. Into your hand I commit my spirit. That phrase all by itself, ought to be enough to stop us in our tracks because of its familiarity. Into your hand I commit my spirit. Where have we heard this sort of thing before? Jesus, our champion, our guide, our mentor, our savior, uttered these words, this very phrase from Psalm 31, it was, in fact, the last words that he spoke. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 23 and verse 46 says, Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Dying words carry a great deal of weight, don't they? 
Think about the relationships that you've had over the course of your life, the ones that you've lost. And maybe you can recall last conversations that you had with those loved ones and how those words reverberate around in your soul. It's that way with Jesus as he lifts up this phrase from Psalm 31. Into your hand I commit my spirit. What does it mean? What would that look like for us? For Jesus, it was an utterance of absolute surrender, of giving over and giving up. Because it was literally the last thing he said, and after saying it, he died. It was Jesus' way of entrusting himself entirely to the love and the care of God the Father. It was an absolute surrender. It was an act of giving up entirely with Nothing held back. Well, you say that's great for Jesus' last words on the cross, but here I am on earth living my life. Thank you very much. What is the role of surrender in our lives? What would it look for us to depend entirely upon God? What would it mean for us to entrust our lives to Him, to commit our spirit to His care and to His keeping? I've thought, an awful lot about that this week. That's what you pay me to do, right? I thought about the phrase and was drawn to it. And I thought about it in terms of my own practice and experience because frankly, let's be honest, that's all I've got. And I've been locked in the apartment with me. And increasingly, it's getting difficult to get along with myself. So mulling over phrases like this is all I do. I've got time to think and pray. And I want to offer you some insight from my own life, my own practice, about what it means to trust God in times of uncertainty and how we cultivate a life of trust. I hope you've got a pen and can take these down. The first thing I want to encourage you to look at is your morning practice. I've said that the, uh, the coronavirus has given us an opportunity. And I've talked before about the fact that it's cut out our commute. My ritual, my routine is typically to be up by six, let's be honest, sometimes seven, but if we had to average 6.30. And in my life, pre-pandemic, I would be out the house by 10. And I know some of you are laughing at all that time that I have. That's my world, yours is different. Maybe you're up and out by 6.30, I don't know. But the first thing that we do in the morning has everything to say about how we lead our lives. Consider first when the alarm clock goes off. You've got an opportunity, right, to hit snooze and roll back over because, let's be honest, the, comf the, <laughs> the bed is really comfortable, right? It's inviting, we just wanna stay there. But if we, miss that opportunity to get up and out of bed. We're going to be behind the eight ball all day long. And then the things that we do following that, yeah, get up, stretch, use the facilities, get coffee, all of that, not to discount it. But in the midst of that and integrated into the fabric of that is our morning practice whereby we pledge our allegiance to God. It's an opportunity for us to get right from the beginning 
It's starting the day, right, with a clean slate. Let's sit down with that cup of coffee and let's mull it over. Let's devote some time to prayer, to thinking, to reflection, to journaling. And the beauty of this is that you have every freedom and flexibility to define that time exactly as you want it and need it to be. There's nothing I would prescribe for you. There's no book you have to read. There's no ritual that you need to go through. There's no prayers that you need to say. All I'm saying is wake up, stand up, and show up for that first and most important appointment. Whether that's the first three hours of your day or the first three minutes, it has everything to do with the course of the 24 hours to follow. I can't say it enough. So what will it be for you? For me, it's a handful of books. I've got about six books that I read through. They're daily reflections, they're meditations, uh, the scripture, obviously, journaling. I've done more journaling. Why has this pandemic time been beneficial for me? Because I don't have that 10 o'clock pressure. Again, I can hear you laughing. I know some of you get going so much earlier. But if I don't have to be gone by 10, man, I take my time. I spread out. I enjoy, I ride, I think, I stretch, I, I do everything that I need to do. And it gets me focused and it gets me centered because from that point on, I find that I'm able to be of use to other people in a way that's far more meaningfully than if I just rolled out of the sack and showed up on the scene. So whether it's engaging with someone over the telephone or through a Zoom call or actually live in person, I'm a better me for having had my time with God. And that's what it means. That's a practical expression of dependence and trust in God. Showing up for the morning time, embracing a morning practice. If you live with other people, find a corner of the home to get alone. Maybe you're at that advanced, exalted spiritual place where you can do it with another person. Husband and wife, parent and child. I don't know. I'll leave that to you. I'm rolling solo. That's how it works for me. Second thing I would encourage you to in terms of trust is the daily decision-making process. Throughout the day, we make millions or thousands or hundreds or dozens. I don't know how many decisions we make statistically. We make a few. We make decisions throughout the day and we have an opportunity at those key decisive moments to again express either trust in God, reliance on Him, or a prideful independence that ego, that's ego-driven. I know best. I've faced the situation a hundred times. I know exactly what I need to do. Let's take those moments to breathe up these subtle, swift trajectory prayers, asking God for guidance and input, and you'll find that He answers us. Because guess what? If you're like me, you don't always make the right decision. It might feel right in the moment. You might think it's right. It might have been right in the past, but in that moment, it's not. And guess what? I love this quotation. Pearl S. Buck. She was an American author. She was the first woman to win the Nobel Prize for literature. She was a missionary kid. She grew up in China with her parents. She had a, a 
a big part in the women's movement. She did a lot with international adoption here in the U.S. later in her life. But this thing she said, another one of those that just stopped me in my tracks, listen to the quotation, every mistake has a halfway moment, a split second when it can be recalled and perhaps remedied. That bears repeating. Every mistake has a halfway moment, a split second when it can be recalled and perhaps remedied. Folks, let's zero in on that flash of freedom, that moment of introspection, that check that rises in our spirit. Let's honor that. Let's pause. Let's be careful before we speak, before we act, before we decide. That's what it means in practical terms to depend on God. So think about your decision making. I also want to invite you to consider the prospect of acceptance. Acceptance has everything to do with trust. Accepting, that is, that everything in this world is exactly as it's supposed to be. In other words, what's happening is supposed to be happening. And I have, and you have, precious little control over any of it, right? I can't tell you when the IHOP's going to open. I can't tell you when you're going to be able to go in and browse through a bookstore. I just don't know. There's a lot I don't know. So acceptance means receiving that as what it's supposed to be and not getting myself worked up about it. It's a beautiful spiritual discipline, the act of acceptance. The ancient Stoics talked about it a lot. They said that everything falls into two categories. That which I cannot control, which is 99% of the world, and that which I can, which comprises a very small sliver. And the only thing that I can get upset or worry or wonder or deliberate about is that small margin of things that are within the purview of my control. The rest of it's outside of it. And do you see why it's futile to get upset about things that you can't control? So trusting in God, resigning yourself to his will in the world means the act of acceptance, that things are exactly as they're supposed to be. And if I can't do anything about it, I'm not going to get upset. Think about the freedom, the liberation that would come with that. I have a perfect example. The region, American Baptist Churches of the Central Pacific Coast, has received a donation from one of our uh, resource churches to help other churches in need, to help individuals within those churches. And so there's a, a cash allotment that we were receiving to be able to help people with that. And this has been in conversation for a couple of weeks. Finally, I got the check in the mail. They fast-tracked it. They sent it directly to pastors so we could cash it, give it to people who needed it. The check came, I took a picture on my mobile app, front, back, click, send, deposit accepted, deposit received. Two days later, deposit kicked back. The check bounced. Can you believe that? You better believe I had a conversation with Steve Bills, our executive minister. But this is beyond my control. I called him, he called the bank, back and forth, conversations. The long and the short of it is I took another picture, sent it in, they wouldn't receive it. Of course, now it's a duplicate check, right? 
so I have to wait for the actual returned check in the physical snail mail. Take that to the branch office. Can you believe? Put on my mask, stand in line, cash the check like we did in the old-fashioned days. And this is going to be about a 10-day process. So much for fast-tracking assistance to folks who need it. How much of that's in my control? Not a lot. I'd love to tell you that I'm the hero of the story. I'd love to say it didn't bother me at all, that it was like water off a duck's back. Guess what? I got a little pissed. It happens. Life happens. But we learn to accept the things that are outside of our control. In the recovery movement, they have the serenity prayer. It's beautiful. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. There's more to that prayer. That's just the quotable portion of it. And there's more to the theology that gave rise to it. But that's for another day. The serenity prayer. Think about it. Practice it. Acceptance, my friends, is the answer to all our problems. And guess what? It's a tangible expression of the fact that we are trusting in God. Pretty good stuff, right? What about the alignment of body and soul? I've thought a lot about this. And I have another confession to make. When this coronavirus stuff first started happening, I was not concerned about my health. I wasn't concerned about the health of others. I was only concerned that my gym was closed. Yeah, you heard it here first. And you probably heard it on the first message that I gave. But that's where my mind was. I can't go to the gym. What? How selfish is that, right? Because you have to go to the gym. That's what life is all about, right? Going to the gym regularly. Well, guess what? Abraham didn't have a gym. Moses didn't go work out at the Tabernacle Health Club. Jesus didn't have a gym. Do you want exercise? Pick up your cross and follow me around town. That should do the trick. Guess what? There's an intimate connection between our physical lives and our spiritual and emotional lives. And, and a, an expression of trust in God is aligning those. And we don't need the ways that we've always done in order to do that. In other words... Let's go back to high school and do 100 push-ups and 100 sit-ups. And you want to practice yoga? You have your dining room. Roll out your mat. There's no hipsters in your dining room. Zero man buns where I do yoga at home in the privacy of my own place. These are opportunities for us to challenge and push back against the norms and customs that we've just taken into our lives. And how about this? Get outside. Put on a pair of tennis shoes. Go for a run. Take a walk. Take your mask. I don't care. Stay away from people. Why is all of this important? Why do I even talk about physicality in a sermon on trust? Because there's an intimate connection between our physical selves and our spiritual selves. And bringing body and spirit and soul into an alignment helps me to live a life of devotion and a life 
of reliance upon God. It's part of what I do in the morning. As I'm reading, thinking, reflecting, I'm standing, I'm stretching, I'm working on balance. There's so many things that we can do to demonstrate the fact that we're trusting in God. And what does that do for me? It slows me down. It brings me into a place of spiritual authenticity. And it's not just about pumping iron. It's not just about getting the heart rate up. It's, a, it's about all of our physical selves. Here's another lesson that I've learned recently. I was feeling earlier this week really amped up and irritable and excitable. And that's not the way that I typically am. So it was alarming to me. And I was talking about this with the lovely Catherine. And she made a simple observation about my caffeine intake. I hadn't even thought of that because it had just sort of ramped up over time. I'd gone from one cup of coffee in the morning to two. I was taking energy drinks because I fell in love with this Coke Zero Energy Cherry Coke Diet wonderful thing. I was taking those at least one in the afternoon. I was drinking diet soda. I was avoiding the sugar but filling myself with caffeine. And it was one of those duh moments. I've been utilizing way too much caffeine. And so I put the brakes on, like the brakes. One cup of coffee in the morning, one soda, that's it, I'm done. And what happened? You know what happened. I had a terrible headache for a couple of days. I'm just now coming out of that, but I'm also a lot more calm, spiritual, a lot more closer to who I am as an individual and to an expression of my spirituality. It's easier to trust God when you're not jittery from caffeine. It's simple things like that. Think about your use of substances. Caffeine, nicotine, alcohol. All of these have an impact. They're mood-altering substances. I'm not saying go all natural, live in the grass and eat dandelions and drink only water. We live in the real world. But I'm saying, how much do you depend on those things? How much do they control the direction, the trajectory of your life? And would you consider scaling back in order to live in a way that's more authentically yourself, more authentically spiritual? I'm a pragmatist. There's things that make it easier to walk with God. There's things that make my life more in sync with a life of trust where I say with Jesus that I commit myself, all of who I am, to God's care and to his keeping. And there's certain things that I can do, things that you can do throughout the course of the day that will help us to depend on and trust in God. Jesus is our parent here shows us the way. He gives us an example to follow, a real life example. So I invite you to think about your morning practice. What are you doing? How are you doing? Maybe it's time to monkey with that a little bit. How about decision making? Remember what our friend Pearl said, every mistake has a halfway moment, a split second when it can be recalled 
and perhaps remedied? Are you taking a moment prior to decision-making? How about acceptance, what you can and cannot control? And how about the connection of body, mind, and soul? How are those in alignment for you? Those are a few things that make it easier for me to trust. And I offer them to you as an encouragement because as I said in the beginning, this pandemic time is, I'm convinced, a make or break opportunity for us. It's a chance for us to look back years down the road and say, how did we use that time? What did we learn? I mean, think for a moment. You recall Y2K? You know that it happened, right? You don't know a lot about what was going on. That was like a blip on the radar screen, right? That was like, OMG, the computers are all going to not work when the new year comes. And guess what? The new year came and they all worked. All right, whatever. You don't remember. This you'll recall. That 12 weeks, once upon a time, the world stopped, you stayed at home, and the question is going to be, what did you do with the time? Think about it in terms of our spiritual development. Think about it as an occasion to trust. Think about it in terms of your families. And this is just bonus time that I'm throwing in here. And it's easy for me to say, right, because I'm living solo. I'm not living in the same place with other people and the strains and the tensions and all of that. But look, if you're living with other people and you're not sitting together around the breakfast table, if you're not having evening meals together at least a few times a week, you're missing an opportunity. If you're not having fights with your spouse or your significant other or your children. Catherine and I don't even live together. We've had fights. This is an opportunity for us to grow spiritually, but also relationally. I invite you to think more about that. Consider when future you looks back on these 12 weeks, once upon a time, spring of 2020, coronavirus, what will be the lasting impact? What came out of it for you? What came up? And how did you deal with it? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, you're our teacher. You teach us all things. And we have here the example of Jesus in terms of exercising trust. God, give us courage to grow in ways that we've not previously grown. Help us to be strong, God, to exercise new muscles, to follow you in new ways. God, be at the center of our relationships. God, be at the center of our spiritual growth and development. Help us to live in such a way that we would be of help and of use to others. In Christ's name we pray. Friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace.